It is February 18th, and you are listening to Fight Me, an MMA podcast with me, your host, Anthony Tadero. It's been a minute. I have been laid off, y'all. Um, you know how it is when you're starting something new and you're not 100% sure if it's really what you want to do and uh, if you're going to keep doing it or not, or if anybody's listening, or if you're just shouting into a hole. Sometimes you feel like Rather than just doing a podcast, you could open up the refrigerator and scream into it, and maybe that would be just about as successful. Well, yeah, I ran into one of those things with the podcast, and it's been over a month since I've recorded one, but I figured going into this weekend, hey, it's going to be a hell of a week for MMA. There were, what, five five different cards? There were two Bellators, a UFC, a Cage Warriors, uh, an Invicta. Looked like some awesome matchups. Matt Mitrione versus Sergey Kharitanov. Uh, if you were a big fan of the Pride days, then you definitely saw Kharitanov um, uh, really do some promising things back then. And he's one of those guys who really doesn't seem to have gotten worse as he's gotten older. Seems to have only uh, seems to have only gotten better. Uh, super impressive, dude. Uh, and then Matt Mitrione, who knocked out Fedor not too long ago, he's only gotten better with age. Uh, his stand-up has actually gotten crisper. His movement has gotten much better. Uh, looked to be a really promising fight. And you guys know what happened there. We'll kind of address that one a little later. Kind of a bummer. And then uh, Michael Venom Page versus Paul Bailey. Probably Michael Venom Page's uh, biggest test to date. Um you know, Cyborg being his biggest test before that, which, you know, a guy way past his prime who maybe wasn't that complete of a fighter even in his prime. Uh, and that one was looking like a huge, uh, a huge bout, um, a huge grudge match, uh, something that was probably going to be a slugfest, right? Well, spoiler alert, uh, if you hadn't seen that one yet, was not a slugfest. Very confusing bout. We'll get a little bit into that later. Uh, as as if it didn't have enough going against it, being the biggest grudge match in British MMA history happening in Connecticut. Yet again, a baffling part of it all. Uh, and then you had one of the biggest heavyweight bouts that could be made right now. Uh, one of the scariest dudes in the entire sport, Francis Ngannou, um, who's had some setbacks uh as of late, obviously got beat by Stipe Miocic, looked terrible against Derek Lewis, um, said that he was scared. Uh, he brought a lot of that fear into his matches, um, struggling with uh, ego and all the things that affect a young athlete on their way up. Uh, and looked like we were going to finally get to see, uh, finally get to see him kind of coming into uh, his stride, looking great <clears throat> against Curtis Blades. Uh, but all that, a lot of us longtime MMA fans were hoping would be uh, sidelined by the comeback of Cain Velasquez. Uh, perhaps a lot of people saying the best heavyweight of all time. Uh, this was going to be his coming coming out party. He was going to, you know, take back the title, um, maybe clear the pathway for Daniel Cormier to retire so that he could so that he could take the title back. Uh, all that coming to a halt uh, in the first, what was it like? First round, 22nd or 26 second knockout, I believe, 
uh, whatever amount of seconds it was. It was super fast. Uh, Study that tape over and over again. I know everybody wants to say Cain Velasquez blew his knee out. Uh, everybody wants to say it was a legit knockout. Turns out it was a little bit of both. What it looked like to me was uh, Nganu threw a nice uppercut, a nice shovel punch. Uh, you you can see, if you see at the right angle, you can see the punch coming. There's not really a good angle of it actually hitting his face that I've seen yet, but you do see uh, you do see his head snap back. You see Velasquez's head snap back, and then he goes down, and his knee lands the wrong way. Uh, it looks bad. He was walking normally on it um, out of the cage. Doesn't look like it was straight up blown out, but it definitely did stop him. It stunned him. Uh, allowed him to take some big hammer fists from Nganu. And if you're a ref that gives any sort of shit about the fighters' lives, uh, you're going to stop that. You can only take so many hammer fists from a dude like that. Uh, regardless of uh, why he ended up falling down on the ground, he, it would have been a matter of time before it got real nasty. And nobody wants to see that happen to a nice guy like Cain Velasquez. So the ref called quits to it. Personally, I think it was a good call. It uh, doesn't matter why he fell bad on his knee. Uh, he fell on his knee. It would have been uh, it would have been a stoppage regardless. Uh, and they would have called that injury. That um, they would have called it uh, TKO due to TKO due to injury or something like that. Anyways, so uh, you know, not what anybody was expecting, but. So, I mean, sure, definitely put a good a good cap on the end of the night. Um, it would have been even more of a bummer if the rest of the card wasn't um, wasn't entertaining, but it was. I mean, we got to give it to the UFC. The uh, their very first um, their very first entire event on ESPN one, uh, just you know, just a monumental thing. This is really the home of ESPN now. It really didn't kind of come uh, come full bore to me until I was watching uh, Chael Sonnen and Ariel Helwani on Center afterwards, which if you've been following MMA like I have uh, from the beginning, seeing it as a kid growing up, uh, <laughs> renting the videos at Blockbuster as a high school student, uh, watching uh, Pride back in the day and, you know, early 2000s. Uh, you know, you would see you would see MMA shows every now and then on, like, Fox Sports News or, you know, we had Spike and all those whatever uh, TV channels that sounded like energy drink names, Fuel or whatever it was. Uh, didn't ever feel legit until last night, and it was really awesome to see. It's really awesome to see uh, Daniel Cormier interviewed on uh, on Sports Center after the big event. Really awesome to see uh, you know an ex fighter like Shell Sonnen and a guy like Ariel Hawani who has been uh, with the sport uh, as long as I can remember. You know, really sort of pioneered uh, MMA reporting and is always going to be that guy for me and is the reason why I got into doing this podcast. Uh, so super inspirational to see Ariel on uh, ESPN after the fight. Even if there wasn't much to break down from the uh, from the standpoint of the main event, uh, it was just a great card uh, from beginning to end. Because regardless of what you thought about the end, it was definitely um, definitely a bit of an exclamation point on the end there. 
uh, just kind of go through some of that um, some of that main card real quick. Uh, I'm not gonna go through all of it, um, but there was a lot of uh, a lot of fun to be had on that card. Um, uh, one of my favorite fights of the night, um, Vincente Luque. Yeah, Vincente Luque versus uh, Brian Barberino. Uh, Brian Barberino has been, I want to say he's, his fights range somewhere in the 20s. He's had a lot of fights. Uh, Vincente Luque, also no newcomer. Um, but that dude, uh, you know, they, they put on one hell of a fight. And if that's not in the conversation for fight of the year, then I don't really know what <laughs> what makes the stipulations to be fight of the year. That's definitely going to be uh, definitely going to be in the conversation at the end of the year. Uh, Vincente Luque really pouring everything that he possibly could on um, uh, on Brian Barberino. And Brian Barberino just taking it and giving it back tenfold, landing uh, landing some of his own. Uh, you know, rarely does a loss really translate into uh, further development of a career. But I really believe if Brian Barberino was going to lose that fight, that's the best way he could have lost. Uh, just taking it to Vincente Luque to the very end. I don't know how many more of those he could possibly have left in him, but up to the last uh, six seconds of the fight where Vincente Luque, uh, I believe it was a TKO, def- definitely more in line with the knockout, but referee stoppage nonetheless. A super awesome fight. Of course, before that, Andre Feely defeating Miles Jury in a, a three-round uh, three-round decision. Uh, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, really good fight. Um, and then Chrome Gracie, of course, uh, making his debut in the UFC uh, against a gamer. They didn't give him. I mean, there really are no easy fights in the UFC, um, uh, especially at featherweight. Uh, that's just a stacked division right now. Uh, so yeah, especially if other way, but Crone Gracie doing what everybody was hoping that it would do, what everybody wanted him to do, really kind of felt like a, uh, like a really throwback, felt like a throwback fight, but against a new, uh, a new era MMA fighter. You know, Alex Caceres is no joke and uh, super well-rounded, really kind of embodies a lot of what MMA is today. A uh, guy who really uses every um, every aspect of the fight game. No slouch on the ground. I really thought that we were going to see a little bit more of a competitive edge for him, even if it did get on the ground like it did with Crumb Gracie. But Crumb Gracie just highlighting exactly how high level his MMA or his uh, jiu-jitsu is. Uh, just there was no hope for Alex Caceres as soon as Crumb Gracie got a hold of him from the second he got a hold of him it was you know from step one to step two to step three to checkmate uh super quick i think it only took about two minutes for him to finish alex alex caceres it doesn't mean alex caceres doesn't have a great career ahead of him he he definitely does but chrome gracie uh definitely going to be in step with uh guys like damian maya in the ufc and uh and guys like that, there really are very few people with that level of jiu-jitsu uh, 
almost nobody in the featherweight division with that level of jiu-jitsu. Of course, you have Brian Ortega. Uh, you know, that could be a crazy matchup someday in the past, although I feel like the UFC is probably going to stay away from making that matchup just because, uh, you know, usually when you have two uh, two guys who are at that high of a level in whether it be jiu-jitsu or wrestling, it usually ends up becoming a striking match or a stalemate in jiu-jitsu or wrestling. So that could be could be boring, but there's no uh, there's no uh, shortage of people for Chrome Gracie to fight at 145. So you got a lot of awesome matchups for him in the past. Uh, and then moving on to Courtney Casey versus Cynthia Calvillo, really fun uh, three round decision uh, going to Cynthia Calvillo when it came down to it. But that one, you know, that was a not a cut and dry decision. I think it was a unanimous decision, but my opinion, that was a lot closer than they gave it credit for. Uh, moving on, from, uh, Paul Felder and James Vick. Uh, James Vick is a guy who I have thought was going to be that guy for a long time. Uh, I think he was on like a 10-fight tear or something crazy like that before he fought Justin Gaethje and got knocked out in his last fight. Uh, I was really hoping this would be kind of his comeback. He was not going up against an ideal guy to have your comeback fight against, though because Paul Felder is as game as they come, and really just kind of showing new dimensions to his game, uh, showing that he can win a decision uh, pretty handedly, honestly. Uh, definitely doing more damage, and no shortage of spinning attacks, which the fans love. Uh, obviously, the fans didn't love it that much, because the fans were fucking booing during this fight. Um, where was this, in Arizona? Come on, Arizona. What's what, what do you want? What more do you want from James Vick? Dude, or not, um, from from James Vick, but uh, Paul Felder also. What more do you want from either one of those dudes? They put they left everything in that cage. Uh, and those are two dudes who do that every time. And Paul Felder was literally throwing spinning back fist after spinning back fist, spinning elbow, and landing them. And the audience was. It was just it must have been a bunch of affliction shirt wearing bros with uh, just bleed painted on their uh, on their chests or something like that, which I understand you couldn't see just bleed painted on someone's chest if they were wearing were wearing an affliction shirt. But bear with me, uh, <laughs> you know the guy whose picture I'm painting right now. Uh, it was really annoying. That's that like people who um, who boo during technical matches like that. Well, really wasn't a technical match, but you know what I mean? Like either if it's like a technical grappling match or just a striking match where dudes are being, um, being careful and decisive and technical and they're striking. Uh, but this wasn't even that, which made me so confused as to why they were possibly booing about that. Uh, that's right up there with when, um, an American fighter is fighting anybody with like a vaguely ethnic sounding name and the audience just starts chanting USA. And I'm like, what? That dude's Italian. Like he's not even, <laughs> uh, he's not even Brazilian, but especially if it's like a Brazilian or an Asian guy, the audience will start chanting USA. It's not the fucking Olympics. These are just two dudes fighting. Enjoy the sport. Quit being an asshole. Don't make everything into this nationalistic, uh, like gladiator match going on right now. Uh, so that's my little rant about that fight. But it was, it was ridiculous. I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine a scenario in which I would boo that. If you, if you love mixed martial arts, 
uh, then that fight was uh, was right up there for you. Have a good a good mix of actually technical fighting and two dudes who were not afraid to sit in the pocket and throw bombs. Uh, speaking of throwing bombs, moving on to the main fight of that card: uh, Francis Ngannou versus Cain Velasquez. It's, what can I say? Uh, that won't be said at Cain Velasquez's eulogy. Man, uh, that was a bummer. I really wanted to see Cain Velasquez come back. I would love to see what Cain Velasquez can do against to sort of revitalize uh, the heavyweight division. Um, and Gano, not a great guy to try to do that against, though, because we really haven't seen even a quarter of uh, what Cain Velasquez can do. Uh, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, he was only using a small percentage of his power <laughs> in that fight. We really haven't seen what Cain Velasquez... Or uh, what Francis Ngannou is capable of. Uh, he's been training mixed martial arts for about five years. I think he started uh, trying to learn boxing about five years ago. Um, just there's there's no more impressive athlete. Dude cuts weight to get to two sixty five, uh, or at least he has cut weight to get to two sixty five in other fights. He weighed in at two fifty eight uh, in this fight. But that's that's with him regularly dieting and working out. And I'm sure he's been working his cardio uh, since that's been one of the that's one of the been one of the biggest talking points against Francis Ngannou for a while now, especially uh especially since that Stephen Miocic fight where he totally gassed out within the first round. And that's what a lot of people were saying going into this fight against Cain Velasquez. Uh, a dude who is known for his cardio, a dude who is known for being a moderately sized uh, heavyweight who can just go and go and go. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him go and go and go. We didn't even get to see him go. Uh, we got to see him start. He started to go, and then he got he got knocked out. Uh, whether you subscribe to the idea that he straight up um, blew out his knee and fell or whether you think – Rightfully so, that Francis Ngannou landed that uppercut, that shovel punch, snapped his head back, uh, made him drop, fall bad on his knee. Whether you think either one of those things happened, those hammer fists landed at the end, and uh, that is uh, all she wrote on that one. Man, I could, couldn't, my heart couldn't go out more to Cain Velasquez, uh, a dude who's really had a hard go of it. Whether you think it's from his training, or uh, just, you know, bad genetics, or just a lifetime of uh, wrestling, uh, growing up that way, uh, training harder, not smarter. Whether you, um, why ever you think this is happening to Cain Velasquez, it's, it's nasty, and I really, I really hate to see him go through it. I don't know how bad uh, his knee was injured in this fight, but this is usually the point in time where I would say I hope he has a speedy recovery and gets back into the octagon. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I want him to fight again. Uh, you can't ever tell a dude like that to quit. Of course, I couldn't ever tell a dude like that to quit because I'm just the guy doing a podcast in the spare room of his house in the middle of the day. Uh, so he's not listening to a word that I'm saying. But it's probably about time. Um, you know, he was, he was saying in his... Um, in an interview, uh, I believe it was uh, one of the you know 
uh, UFC interviews leading up to the fight, uh, they were asking him when he was happiest, uh, if it was when he was in his prime, uh, dominating the heavyweight division in the UFC, uh, being considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest heavyweight fighters of all time. Or if it was the two years where he was laid up with injuries, not fighting, uh, raising his kids, hanging out with his family, being a husband, being a, a father, uh, being a whatever other relations he has, brother, cousin, uncle. Uh, he's a family guy. And uh, he said it was he said it was the family. It was the family time. And um, he said that was when he was most happy. And that's when he feels the most himself. And you have to they have to respect that. And uh, maybe he should have respected it. Maybe he should have, you know, realized that himself. I, uh, not too long ago, um, did an exercise where I was kind of lost in my life. And I, um, I thought to myself, uh, when is the time when I was happiest? Uh, when I was felt like the most badass version of myself. Uh, this was the time when I was um, deciding whether or not I would continue doing stand-up comedy. Uh, if I would, uh, Stop, or if I would keep drudging along, uh, doing the open mic thing, trying to get booked on shows, trying to get my name out there, uh, or if I would move on to something else. And I was trying to think about when I was most happy. And it wasn't when I was young and I was killing it at comedy shows or uh, when I you know, tried my hand uh, at bigger shows or went out to LA and did some open mics and bigger shows there. It was when I was uh, raising a dog for the first time. And then after that, I became a dog trainer and I've never been happier. So, you know, if you ask yourself, especially as a fighter in a job that costs so much of you and asks so much of your body and your family, uh, if you can look uh, back at your life and try to think about when you were happiest or when you felt um, the most whole and it wasn't fighting, it's probably time to hang it up. Um, And I hope Cain Velasquez either comes to that conclusion or comes to whichever one is the true one for himself. Cause there's no way that I can know that, but I hope that he doesn't just keep doing this to prove something because he has nothing to prove at this point. Uh, he already defeated a monster in Brock Lesnar, uh, handedly. So, um, you know, he already beat junior dos Santos, the man to beat him in his first Fox appearance. Can we talk about that for a minute? Uh, though, okay. Velasquez losing, I think within a minute in the very uh, first uh, big Fox card uh, for the UFC when they signed that Fox deal uh, against uh, JDS, uh, getting dropped within a minute. And then getting his chance to redeem himself uh, with the very first big ESPN card on free TV. Uh, Another big milestone in the UFC, Uh, even bigger than Fox, I think. And the exact same thing happening, except even sooner, getting dropped uh, within the first 30 seconds of the fight. Uh, Just crazy. And, um, you know, you want to say bad luck, but uh, I don't want to take anything against – I don't want to take anything away from Francis Ngannou with that because uh, when you aim for something and you hit it, that's not luck. Uh, That's what Francis Ngannou trains for and he's trained his whole life what an interesting and uh, dynamic dude in Francis Ngannou. I think he got kind of a bad rap uh, after that Derek Lewis fight. Uh, when we were watching that Derek Lewis fight at my house, one of my friends was watching um, 
Derek Lewis and uh, Francis Ngannou just kind of bouncing back and forth in front of each other, throwing the same feints and like and jabs over and over again. Uh, one of my friends was like, what is this, a boomerang I'm watching right now? Looked like uh, one of those boomerangs on Instagram where they just have a video looping over and over again. Uh, that one was hard to watch. Uh, so a lot of people were pretty rough on him after that. And that coming right after the uh, uh, the Stipe Miocic loss, which you can't fault anybody for losing to Stipe Miocic. Um, uh, he's, he's definitely gotten a bad rap. People saying that he's not dynamic. Uh, that his uh, his game isn't whole enough, uh, his cardio is bad, and a lot of that is true. But the dude hasn't been fighting for that long, and uh, yeah, he's not young necessarily. I think the dude's like thirty two, uh, which for me and the rest of you old timers at home, that is a little young. But that is not young in the grand scheme of uh, of heavyweight fighters, especially when you consider how quickly Francis Ngannou has. Um, just rapidly improved in his game uh, since since he started training. Uh, his, you know, we really didn't get to see much of his takedown defense, but to take him down, you got to get close to him. And as uh, he proved last night, that is going to be damn near impossible. Uh, not only is he um, did he seem super super classy on the mic uh, after the fight, uh, but you know he's really kind of with that that. Uh, rose embroidered jacket that he was wearing last night. Um, you know, just his, uh, his attitude, his, his attire. I like, I love him dressing in the African garb. We need more of that in the UFC. I'd love to see him come out. Uh, I know they're pretty weird about what you are and aren't allowed to wear, uh, but they let Arjun Buller wear a turban. I don't see why they can't let Francis Ngannou wear some of his traditional African garb. Uh, I love that shit. I'm all about it. Uh, I'd love to see them let more and more of that come out, uh, especially with uh, the amount of African superstars in the UFC right now. Uh, there's no harm in that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, really kind of highlighting that that culture whenever you can. Um, so that was awesome. You know, I'd like to see more people start to come out. Uh come out with ways to distinguish themselves other than being shit talkers. There's enough shit talkers. There's enough Conor McGregor's out there. I mean, I'm not even all in on watching Conor McGregor be Conor McGregor anymore. Uh, (laughs) So I don't really need to see other people being Conor McGregor. Uh, But any other way you can really let your personality shine is awesome in my opinion. Uh, Francis Ngannou really, um, really cementing himself I believe this probably catapults him up in the rankings a little bit, even though obviously Kane Velasquez isn't a ranked fighter right now because it's been, what, like two years since he fought. Uh, it's definitely catapults him up against uh, who was the number two before that, I believe, either Stipe or Derek Lewis. Um I think Stipe is the number one contender and Derek Lewis is number two. Either way, uh, this this definitely has to catapult him above Derek Lewis, even though Derek Lewis technically has a win against him. I wouldn't mind seeing them run that one back, especially considering uh, Lewis just fought for the belt. Um, he already has a fight booked, though, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, so that wouldn't work. Um, regardless, though, I'd like, I'd like to see that one run back at some point. Um Although after the interview with uh, DC 
after the fight uh, where Ariel Helwani asked him, you know, would you like to get a crack at, uh, would you like to get a crack at Nganu after he, uh, after he beat your good friend, Cain Velasquez, or would you like to fight Francis Nganu and just deadpan, uh, dead, dead ass, as they say up North, um, uh, DC just says, I would not fight Francis Ngannou. I would be Francis Ngannou, which I believe him <laughs> 100%. Uh, I think what Stipe Miocic did to uh, Francis Ngannou, Daniel Cormier could do even better, uh, just as easily. Uh, I think he, Daniel Cormier has the boxing to really set up that takedown, although I thought Ken Velasquez did too. Uh, and that did not work out for him at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, enough about that main card. Um, yeah, I would love to see Francis Ngannou face uh, DC at some point. Uh, I'm sure Stipe, Stipe Miocic would probably be pissed to see that happen. But who knows? It, it doesn't really seem like it matters what Stipe wants anymore. Uh, the UFC is going to do what the UFC wants to do. Um, I think, honestly, if the UFC were to tell... Daniel Cormier to fight Stipe. He's such a company man. He would he would jump on it. Uh, I just don't think that the UFC thinks that that's going to sell the most pay per views or the most tickets. Uh, probably would sell a decent amount of tickets if you did it in Cleveland, uh, but that doesn't speak for pay per view buys. I think if you're uh, trying to sell pay per views, DC versus Ghana sells more. Unfortunately, that's what it's all about. Uh, of course. Being a fight fan, um, viewing Stipe Miocic as, especially now that um, Nganu has defeated Cain Velasquez, you, everybody was saying Cain Velasquez is arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. Um, well, we all saw what Stipe did to uh, the man who just beat arguably the best heavyweight of all time. So you really uh, would be hard-pressed to convince anybody at this point that uh, Stipe is not the best heavyweight of all time. Uh, you know, you really you really can't uh, cement that until you see him do a rematch against Daniel Cormier, but like I just said, who knows if that's ever going to happen? Who knows what's going on in the UFC's head? But this weekend was not all about the UFC. There was so much MMA this week. Um, like I just said at the beginning of the show, there were two Bellators, not one, but two. Um, and just like every uh, Bellator event that has had two on one night, one on Friday, one on Saturday, could have easily been condensed into two really good cards. Uh, it wasn't, though. There was two, or it could have been condensed into one really good card. Uh, but instead, it was just two pretty meandering, mediocre cards. Uh, although I would say in this one instance, it may have been better to have it spread amongst two cards because at least you didn't have two big letdowns in one night. Uh, because if we would have had uh, the early uh, nut shot from uh, Ryan Bader and Sergey Karatanov uh, early in the fight, if you had that on top of the really baffling performance uh, from Paul Daly against uh, Michael Venom Page, a fight that we were all so sure was going to be a slugfest. Um, that was what they were saying in the uh, 
the entire time uh, in the broadcast uh, with Chael Sonnen on the mic um, asking, I believe, uh, I don't remember who he was talking to now. Uh, he was asking uh, asking somebody who they think is going to shoot first, jokingly. And uh, they said, Paul Daly, I think Paul Daly is going to shoot. And everybody laughed it off. And then Paul Daly continued to take uh, Michael Venom Page down over and over and over again. I know a lot of people thought that Paul Daly won that fight. Uh, surely if takedowns were scored like they used to be, uh, like a sort of a hybrid wrestling match, uh, boxing match, kickboxing match, when uh, mixed martial arts started and when the UFC began, they used to score takedowns a lot more. And if they would have scored them more, I feel like, uh, I feel like Paul Daly might have walked away with that, but they were scoring it based on what you did once you were on the ground. And Paul Daly wasn't really allowed, uh, able to land much damage, uh, whereas you know Michael Venom Page had a submission attempt. He landed plenty of shots, uh, you know, elbows and punches from his back. Uh, most of the exchanges where Paul Daly took down MVP. Uh, MVP was able to end those exchanges up on top. Uh, he was the only one who really did any damage on the feet. Uh, I think Paul Daly landed a couple punches, but uh, really the only significant damage on the feet was from MVP. I'd say I'd, I'd completely understand how that went to uh, how that went to MVP. I wouldn't have necessarily been surprised if it went to Paul Daly. Uh, not as surprised as I was that Paul Daly tried to turn it into a wrestling match. Uh, everybody seems to be pretty disappointed. Everybody that I've heard from, if you check the Twitterazzi, uh, everybody was pretty disappointed by that fight just because I think everybody expected a slugfest. And, um, you know, for that reason, I was a little disappointed. I was really hoping to see a striking match. But I really did like how Paul Daly decided to it was weird. It was a weird ego check from Paul Daly because it seemed like he was straight up saying, I do not think I can outstrike this guy. Uh, so I'm going to take to wrestling, which is not something that's natural for Paul Daly at all. Uh, not something he trains a lot, presumably. Uh, you think maybe you see, I could understand Paul Daly training a lot of takedown defense, not necessarily a lot of takedowns. Um, but it really did highlight a hole that we all already knew that uh, MVP had uh, and something that he's really going to have to work on as he advances up this uh, welterweight tournament in Bellator because this is, you know, welterweight is one of the few uh, weight classes in Bellator where from beginning to end, uh, you know, in the top, the top 10 welterweights in Bellator could all be, uh, you know, they could fight in the UFC. They could be maybe not even in the top 15 of the welterweight division in the UFC, but most of them uh, would stand a good chance in the UFC. Uh, Paul Daly, of course, was in the top 10 in the UFC at one point. Rory McDonald, uh, I believe he was in the top five at one point. He actually has a win over uh, the UFC's current welterweight champion. Of course, you could say that... Uh, you could say that Tyron Woodley uh, is not or was not the fighter that he is now. You could also say that about Rory McDonald, though. Uh, so, um, of course, 
uh, John Fitch way past his prime, but you know, he was at the top of the heap at the UFC at one point. Uh, but with guys like that in the division and Bellator, you have to really question what uh, sort of road MVP has ahead of him. If they're really trying to turn him into the next big thing uh, in the Bellator and Bellator as a uh, Michael or as um, Paul Daly was insinuating after the fight in his comments saying that he thinks Bellator is, uh, you know, sort of hedged the, uh, the decision a little bit, uh, pushing it towards MVP, which I think is laughable. Uh, but if that really is the case, I, I don't understand why they do that because they know what he's got ahead of him. They know he's, you know, unless they're just trying to build bigger fights, um, thinking, uh, MVP is the more marketable fighter, which I guess he's he's flashy, he's fun, he's good on the mic, uh, way better shit talker than Paul Daly for sure, uh, way better shit talker than a lot of people uh, in Bellator, which or especially in the Bellator welterweight division, which doesn't have any shit talkers. So we got we got Roy McDonald, we got John Fitch, uh, Neiman Gracie, none of them known for their antics. So you need to have at least one guy like that. Uh, but as soon as anybody who actually knows how to wrestle gets a hold of MVP, it's good night. There's there's no way, uh, you know, especially somebody who's no slouch uh, in striking like Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald could be able to set it up, get in close, uh, take down MVP, and just destroy him. I mean, if Paul Daly, a guy who uh, generally does not wrestle, would prefer not to be on the ground, if that dude can take him down at will over and over again, uh, I mean, anybody who he faces next is going to be able to do the same. Uh, you know, John Fitch, Rory McDonald, of course, it's only going to be, it's not going to be either or those guys. It's going to be one of those guys because they are up uh, next in the tournament, which is going to be a great scrap. I know, I know John Fitch gets a lot of shit for just uh, laying and praying, but I really think uh, Rory McDonald's going to put him to work, and we're going to see uh, John Fitch in a war, which I'm all about. Uh, I love watching John Fitch back in the day, even when uh, he was getting uh, shit on left and right about being a boring fighter. Uh, if you can't stop a guy like John Fitch from taking you down at will and laying on you, then you deserve to lose. Uh, so I like to see um, guys who are able to expose weaknesses like that in other fighters uh, and keep everybody honest and keep everybody, uh, you know, learning that, you know, pushing for that next level. And uh, John Fish just really goes a long way to showcase. If you know wrestling, you can really not be too great at anything else in mixed martial arts and still be super dominant. Uh, you know, he proved that last time he fought. Uh, Paul Daly, which was another funny happening because Paul Daly was uh, was nonstop going on a tirade, uh, talking shit about how boring John Fitch is, and uh, you know being upset at guys for just taking him down and waiting, and then did the exact same thing to Michael Venom Page. So what are you gonna do? Um, uh, yeah, that card was not not too impressive uh, on the um, on the undercard. Events or the undercard fights, either. Um, I mean, there there were some good some good scraps mixed in there, but uh, let's see who else was uh, who else was on that card. 
I think there were some decent ones. Czech Congo versus uh, Vitaly Minikov. Uh, supposedly for the uh, for the heavyweight number one contender spot. Uh, I really like Vitaly Minikov, uh, and I'm a huge fan of Czech Congo from back in the day. I feel like we never truly got to see uh, Czech Congo um, show everything he's got. Not that I think we're going to see that ever, because I believe he's a little past his prime at this point, um, and really kind of seemed to have stopped learning at some point. Uh, but regardless of what you think of him picking up the win in that one, securing his spot as the uh, number one contender, but uh, being that we didn't really uh, we didn't really see um, we didn't really see much happen in the uh, the fight against uh, Mitrione and um, uh, Mitrione and Khertanov, um who knows what what is in store for uh, for the heavyweight title? I guess uh, Czech Congo's win against Minikov means that he's going to be going up against Ryan Bader. Uh, I don't know if Ryan Bader is going to be defending that light heavyweight title anytime soon. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I don't even know if I can name another Bellator light heavyweight fighter right off the top of my head. <laughs> it's not the uh, not the thickest division, uh, but you know Bellator is in an interesting place right now, where they have a welterweight champion who's beat the welterweight champion uh, in the UFC. They've got a um, light heavyweight and heavyweight champion in Ryan Bader, who if if he went over back over to the UFC would easily be in the top. T- five in either division uh without a doubt um really the like the state of bellator's heavyweight uh and light heavyweight divisions right now really go a long way to highlight um how thin uh, those divisions are in the ufc because uh, you know you saw that heavyweight tournament uh in bellator a lot of people were complaining like oh the bellator's just got a bunch of has-beens you know, guys who burned out of the UFC. Uh, but, you know, to counterpoint that, I would say any of those guys could go to the UFC right now and be top contenders in, uh, well, maybe not any of those guys, because not necessarily Chael Sonnen, who is fought at middleweight before, uh, and, you know, not necessarily King Mo, who has also fought middleweight, light heavyweight. And now heavyweight, but you know, uh, guys like Mitrione, um, uh, Kiratanov, um, Fedor, even uh, would stand a chance in the heavyweight division uh, against their top five. Once you get out of the top five heavyweights in the UFC, you're really not picking from the cream of the crop, honestly. Uh, so you know that that is one place where the um, where Bellator can honestly say that they are competitive with the UFC as far as talent goes. Uh, but once you get out of the top three in any division in Bellator, it's really no comparison in talent. And I was watching uh, all these events with my uh, very bored girlfriend this weekend. She, she likes MMA, but uh, the, you, the, uh, the Bellator cards were a bit much on her. Uh, <laughs> 
they last about as long as the UFC fights. And, uh, you know, if you're watching the prelims and the early prelims, like I am, it's rough. It's, it's pretty rough. Uh, and the whole time she, uh, my girlfriend just kept going, where, where the fuck is Bruce Buffer? Who the fuck is, what's the guy in his name? Uh, I can't even remember the Bellator's announcer, but he's not Bruce Buffer. Uh, how, how cool was that to see Bruce Buffer on ESPN, by the way? Apparently at the same time uh, as Michael Buffer, who I think was announcing for the NBA at the same time. I might be misrepresenting that, but... um. But yeah, just a super cool, uh, super cool time uh, to be a fan of the UFC. Uh, so those are the big events of the weekend. Uh, we had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday MMA, MMA, MMA. Uh, we also had a uh, Cage Warriors uh, card. Uh, admittedly, so I did not watch. I uh, did not watch that event, but. Um, There were there were some uh, some fights of note. Uh, really, kind of a continuation of the bizarre um, the sort of bizarre uh, chain of events. Uh, we had the nut shot uh, in the Mitrione versus Karatanov. Uh, we had the uh, blown out knee in. Um, uh, with uh, Cain Velasquez. And then uh, in the main card, the uh, heavyweight bout and cage warriors, uh, Tom Aspinall uh, versus uh, Sufjan uh, Bukachow. Uh, an insane uh, TKO, but by inter- injury, uh, repeat of that uh, Anderson Silva uh, you know, leg kick to the knee, expertly checks. Checked by Tom Aspinall. You can't really uh, take anything against away from him there, uh, but just a bend in the leg from Sufjan uh, Bukachow, uh, just folding his leg in half. Unfortunately, uh, the article I looked up to find out what happened exactly uh, opened up with a picture of <laughs> Bukachow kicking Tom Aspinall's leg. I'm looking at it right now, wincing in pain. If you get a chance, look up this picture. Bukhachow's face as he's mid-kick. My palms are sweating right now. It just looks like complete and utter fear on the face of a man who I'm sure does not frequently show uh, panic and fear. Oh, put it away, put it away, put it away. Okay, uh, not looking at that anymore. And then um, um also, there was a weird injury in the Invicta card. I don't know what was going on this weekend. Um, uh, anticlimactic ending thanks to a technical decision um, via eye poke. Um, let's see. Uh, Vanessa Porto versus Pearl Gonzalez for the vacant uh, Invicta flyweight title. Um, it was a good fight, and you know, as you'll always see with um, Pro Gonzalez, Vanessa Porto, also a gamer. Uh, Vanessa Porto looking like, um, you know, looking like she was on her way to winning. Uh, and unfortunately, Pro Gonzalez uh, with the eye poke, um, you know, calling it a uh, 
a TKO victory or a um, technical victory for uh, for Vanessa Porto. Not the way you want to win a fight, but you know, a title a title is earned, and uh, another W on Vanessa Porto's record. So hopefully they run that one back though, because I'd love to see Pro Gonzalez get another sh- another shot at that uh, the eye poke. Apparently, just a thing we're going to be dealing with forever in the UFC now, or in uh, MMA altogether now. Uh, regardless, not the way you want to see a fight like that end. Um, apparently, it was a great card. Usually, I check out the Invicta cards whenever I can, uh, but this was a busy weekend for MMA, and I can only uh, I can only capitalize on TV time for so long in my house. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take the television for three days straight. Like, well, I did take the television for three days straight, but not like every hour of the day. I got to give my girlfriend a little bit of TV time. Uh, but I do love Invicta's product. They put on and they put on awesome fights. Uh, by far the best uh, fight posters in the whole game. Um. I'm probably going to have to go back and watch that one. Pretty much the only reason I still have UFC Fight Pass. I don't know about you guys at home, but are you still paying for UFC Fight Pass and ESPN Plus and Dazzin? I'm saying Dazzin, by the way, because I refuse to call DAZN. I've refused to call it DAZN, D-A-Z-N. Uh, I'm, I'm about at the end of my shit talk with the DAZN because it is. I, I do appreciate the product, especially... Um, you know, with the boxing matches that they have on there, uh, it is pretty rad. Um, and I don't have cable, so it's my only way pretty much to watch. Um, I don't even know what the Paramount, Paramount Network is or how I watch it, but uh, I'm not getting, getting cable just for Bellator. Um, and I have ESPN Plus now, so really no need for uh, for ESPN either. Um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much my recap of the weekend in mixed martial arts fights. Um, uh, kind of retooling the show a little bit, working on new segments. Uh, so please hold on for our next segment, uh, where I've been calling it different things. I've been calling it IDGAF. I've been calling it, uh, my fight me point of the week. Uh, I think I'm just going to stick with, uh, my fight me point of the week segment, um, call it that. Uh, but just hang in there because we're moving on to uh, my fight me point of the week. Uh, this week I'm having a special uh, call in guest. So uh, stand by. Two, one. Okay, here we are. A uh, little full disclosure to those listening to this podcast. Uh, I recorded the first part a couple days ago, and uh, because this is all new and I'm honestly slacking off a lot, uh, I waited a little while before I recorded this next segment, and I'm glad that I did because there's been a lot unfolding in the last 24 hours. Uh, but I've got my friend Trey here, uh, Trey Cosina, to uh, kind of recap this weekend and uh, subsequent week in MMA. How you doing, Trey? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me on your first podcast of 2019. Uh, yeah, I've been waiting for this one to drop for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the only one for that, I think. Well, uh, I'm yeah, glad I'll be able to listen to myself later on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
I got about 15 listens per episode. So uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll pick up some new listeners uh, once I tell them to take a scene about it. Well, I'll get you at least two more. <laughs> yeah, your, your wife and your kids? Exactly. <laughs> right on. Uh, so yeah, let's start by kind of talking about some of the stuff that I already talked about on the uh, rest of the podcast. Um, like, really confusingly busy weekend in MMA. Like, kind of hard to know what really to pay attention to. Usually when there's like a UFC event on Saturday, and then maybe there's like a Cage Warriors or an Invicta or something like that for me to check in on, then I can watch all that stuff, and I usually like to. But I didn't watch any of that this weekend. I went back and watched some of the highlights. Did you check out uh, either Cage Warrior or Invicta's card? So, unfortunately, not. Uh, I heard a few things about it. I worked pretty much all weekend, and so I got home just in time to see a lot of the co-main and main events. Uh, I went back and watched as much of the card as possible, but, yeah, pretty disappointing weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, all across the board, um, bizarre. I guess uh, here's my question. What was the most – I mean, I guess I feel like I know the answer, but what was the most disappointing part of the entire weekend for you? So I got home, um, I settled in, I opened a beer, and I turned on the TV just in time for Bellator. What kind of beer? And uh, I'm into these yingling black and tans right now. Wow. Like, like, the, like the shitty domestic, but like the most hipstery of the domestic that you could get? So I'm not a fan of good beer at all. I don't claim to yeah. have a good taste in beer. I'm usually like a Coors Light guy. Uh, so this is me actually splurging. Uh, I didn't really know what yeah. I'd get myself into, but uh, quite <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about it? I feel great. Uh, I'm actually really surprised. Uh, I, I'm i I'm proud of myself. Yeah, did you know that Guinness makes a uh, a nitro IPA? So, nit- I've really gotten into nitro beer since my time in Korea. There was a Irish Kilkenny. It's called Kilkenny. It's like a nitro cream beer, and it's delicious. Yeah. There's some good Korean beers. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. I'm sure everybody listening really cares about that. <laughs> <You're right>. uh, <laughs> so I'm sure so, that uh, uh, Matt Mitrione had a few beers after his fight, which is the most disappointing thing. Uh, I got home just in time to turn it on for the main event, and it was over before I knew it. Um, one thing when I went would back, you say that was, would you say that was even more disappointing than the UFC. For me, yeah. Um, I love. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I love uh, Karatanov. I love Mitrione. They're two uh, heavyweights that I always chime in to see. I was going back looking through Mitrione's past, and um, he's been plagued with, with issues. You know, he was the guy that was supposed to fight Stefan Struve whenever Stefan Struve had a heart attack in the back, uh, and the fight was scrapped, oh. I don't know, an hour beforehand. Um, yeah, I just I just listened to an interview with Stephen Struve. Sorry, I was reminded of his heart issue, but yeah, I forgot that uh, it was he was just by Mitrion. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mitrion's last fight in the UFC was Travis Brown, where he was poked in the eye twice, uh, and then you know, that's how he left the UFC, basically. Yeah. Mm. Oh, shit. So I mean, well, this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was a tough. <laughs> that was absolutely tough. So that was probably. Uh, absolutely my, my most disappointing fight of of the weekend. Yeah, I would say it was even more disappointing than any of the other, like, disappointing fights because at least those were fights. Like, even with the Ngannou thing, you could, like, even regardless of what people are saying about him blowing his knee out and stuff, there were punches 
thrown. In <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, and I think I think they ended in similar times. I think one was 26 seconds, and the other one was maybe even 16. I think the Mitrion fight was 16 seconds. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. And then the Invicta fight, I think um, uh, Porto uh, was eye-gouged. Or- yes. Yeah, and so they had to stop the fight early and go to the judges. And, you know, thank God she won, uh, or else we'd have, like, another yeah. – it would be a larger controversial weekend. So. Yeah, she was already ahead, so yeah. that was good. Um, yeah, kind of a bummer. I like uh, I, I like um, Pearl. I'm a, big, I'm a big Pearl fan, so I was stoked to see, to see that fight and kind of bummed that it ended that way because who knows uh, – who knows what would have happened. Um, I like I like I like the fact that uh people from the UFC can come back to Invicta and kind of build themselves back up uh to the point where they're able to get back into the UFC. Yeah, so it's I was a kind great of feeder league. was on her way back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great feeder league. Um, you know, it's a it's a great to know that ple- uh the people who leave the UFC actually have a home uh, for female fighters and don't have to go yeah. like the Beck Rawlings bare knuckle route. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who did, did somebody else weird just sign to bare knuckle like within the past week? Uh, yeah, I know Rumble. It, it, was, Rumble it was, was Ar. Like a, it was Artem. It, it was Artem Lebov. Yeah, right. that's right. oh, <laughs> but that <laughs> that's pretty suiting though. Uh, I, I I agree with that placement. Yeah, I mean, if they're I don't know what they're paying. I'm guessing they must be paying more. I mean, I don't know. Just, just nobody else won him? Or was nobody else paying as much as Bare Knuckle? I, honestly, I I'm not sure. I know he has some, some loopholes in his contract to where he can go fight for any other MMA organization. Uh, he's oh, not, that's right. He's that's not right. locked okay. in. So, yeah. so that actually is kind of a smart move then. Because you, you can still fight. I get it. I was glad to see that Rumble is not actually signing as a fighter because I was honestly <laughs> a little scared for everybody else. Well, I want to I see him back more than anything. Um, when I saw him bulking up in, his, in the offseason, for him to come back as a heavyweight would be amazing. Um, what he did in World Series against Arlovsky and you know a bunch of those fighters, uh, I want to see that guy back. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think he's happy selling weed and lifting weights. And that's okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame him at all. <laughs> yeah. It was a great world that we live in. Exactly. Um, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, there was also um, – I, I, honestly, I don't have my notes in front of me. I talked about some uh, some of these fights uh, in the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know everybody, the names of everybody on the uh, – Cage Warriors roster, but there was also a. Um, did you see the end of the um, the main card? No, no, Cage break Warriors. it down for did me. You know about that? No. Um, I can't remember. So, um, hold on one second. Well, no, I'm not actually going to take time to look it up. Uh, it doesn't matter the names of the fighters, but uh, I think uh, Silva Weidman too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one of those again. Oh. <laughs> Those bum me out. I was, look, I was looking up the results, and then they had a picture of the um, the guy kicking the other guy's knee, his leg bent in half, and just the look of 
utter abject horror on his face. Like the beginning of terror, it wasn't like he was screaming in pain. It was like kind of a concerned uh oh look on his face. <laughs> it was. I, I had to just keep going. I, I watch fights every weekend. Uh, I try to watch everything, but every time I see one of those, I have to take a couple weeks off. It's 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 yeah. the biggest bummer in the world. <laughs> That's why I didn't go back and watch that card just because I'm not. Uh, I, I don't need to see that again. I don't blame you. I mean, it's not as bad as when it happened to Silva because, like, I don't have an attachment to these guys because I didn't know them before the fight. But still, uh, the worst just, was Corey Hill. Do you remember that one? Yes. He was the seven foot tall lightweight or 145 mm-hmm. or whatever he fought at. Yeah. And then he tried to step on it like three or four times. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, I'm bummed out rethinking about it. <laughs> oh god, no! There's no need to go back and watch any of that shit. That's like watching Faces of Death or something <laughs> like that. Like, exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, yeah. And then uh, as far as let's keep the disappointment train rolling. Were you disappointed by uh, MVP Daily? So yes and no. Um, I wanted to see MVP tested, uh, and I wasn't sure that Daly was going to do that. Um, I yeah. knew that I thought Daly would would fight more emotional, so to see him kind of more reserved was actually really really cool to see. As far as the fight in in general, I thought I thought Paul did enough to pull out the win. I thought he fought a smart fight against a really dangerous striker. Was it the most entertaining? No. Um, but I don't think that Krokop versus Roy Nelson was super entertaining either. Um, no, no. Yeah, and I, I was happy for Krokop. I, I, I don't really want to see Roy fight anymore. I, 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 okay, so you know, and I know, he's great on the ground. A lot of people know he's great on the ground. He's a black belt yeah. jiu-jitsu. He teaches jiu-jitsu at his academy. I don't think he remembers how good he is on the ground. Yeah, or maybe I don't know. Maybe he does some sort of clause in his contract <laughs> that he gets more if he just stands up there and bangs. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, it was almost kind of a joke back when he was in the UFC, especially when he started in the UFC, where he would just, you know, hang his belly on people and, you know, lay there and punch them in the face and count it down until the ref said something. Yeah, I believe it. He <laughs> two or three UFC fights. I mean, that's all he did, and it worked every time. And then all of a sudden, I think he knocked a guy out, and then. Just decided to try that from now on. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like it's not like some of these um, jiu-jitsu guys or wrestling guys who are you know are always known for their jiu-jitsu and then they fall in love with the knockout. Like he was always known for his punching power. Like, yeah, I, I think even, the thing that bothers right, but I think the thing that bothers me about Roy Nelson is he doesn't seem like he's trying very hard. Um, <laughs> from, just from looking at him. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you, you, you saw him in the fight for, I don't know, maybe two seven-second bursts, really try to lay it on Krokop, you know, usually near the end of the round. But for the most part, he seemed to just be coasting, and maybe he's trying to yeah. conserve energy. Maybe he has uh, – he, he doesn't think he has enough cardio, or maybe it's been a problem in the past, no. but I don't know. I just don't see, like, the maximum effort from him. And I, I didn't see it from Krokop either, but – you know, it was a rematch. Krokop did lose the last one via knockout. I can understand why Krokop would be reserved, but I thought Roy would have, should have gone for it more. Yeah, it's just one of those, you know, he's at this point in his career when you start seeing guys 
I mean, not that this is necessarily a point in everybody's career, but uh, oftentimes with guys like him, you start seeing they don't really seem to care. They're not necessarily in love with it. It's just what they do, and they don't know what else to do, which I'm glad they're giving him guys like Krokop. Not that Krokop's a walk in the park for anybody, but, you know, obviously uh, past his prime, and you know what he's going to do, and he's not nearly as uh, fast as he used to be. I just don't want to see them putting him up against, like, young up-and-comers because I, I would hate to see that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like he doesn't have a very good chance at winning those fights. Maybe he does. Maybe he can just, you know, bring that, yeah. um, bring that knowledge, that 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 veteran status to the cage and, and and grind out some fights and maybe knock a few guys out. But so far, he's not winning any decisions. I can tell you that. No, no, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I say that, but I'm actually not sure if there are any young up and comers in the heavyweight division of Bellator. Yeah, I think it's all pretty much guys like, like Roy. Yeah, it's probably all the veterans, and then maybe a bunch of Russian guys. Yeah, yeah, there's two <laughs> Russian guys. <laughs> uh, man, um, yeah, that was. I wouldn't necessarily say that was a boring one either. Like, I've I've heard a lot of people talk crap on uh, on the daily MVP fight, but I mean, it was honestly, it was different than I expected, and it wasn't a slugfest. But I mean, it was a competitive fight. I think people didn't like it because it was basically two, you know, like two blue belts grappling, which I, I, nobody really wants to it, see. I think I would have been more like so. So it wasn't my favorite fight either, but I, I was intrigued, and I think I would have been more okay with it had Daly won three rounds to two instead of the other way around, because yeah. the fight was ugly. Because Daly, that's that's what Daly wanted to do. Daly was doing yeah. what he wanted to do and not allowing MVP to do what he wanted to do. So, you know, if 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 Daly would have gotten the nod, I think a lot more people would have been okay with the fight, uh, you know, in general. Yeah, I you know, I honestly thought his strategy was going to be to grapple with him for the first few rounds and try to get him tired and slow him down a little bit and then start striking with him. But that moment never came. Right. You know, I right. I, I thought he was going to try to kind of. Um, limit his mobility, grapple him, maybe throw some leg kicks, but yeah, not, nothing nothing like that. Just continued to take him down over and over again. Um, and it was just so obvious that it was out of his element. He didn't really want to be doing it. Um, but yeah, I, you can't hold, hold it against him. I, I, well, the thing you can I hold against was, him is all the shit he talked against the John, or uh, the John, <laughs> there's John Fitch. John Fitch yeah. I mean, that was insane. I mean, Maybe it's gamesmanship. Yeah. Maybe he, he's just a master manipulator, and he knows exactly what he was doing. And maybe he even during the John Fitch fight was thinking of his next fight. Who knows? But yeah. the the, well, the contrast night and day from from fight to fight was you know laughable. Yeah, part of uh, the good part about not being a show that anybody listens to or knows about is that I can go ahead and say that I don't think Paul Daly's that smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ever going to talk to him. Uh, and if I do end up interviewing him, then that's that's a good problem. Uh, I, I don't know what you call your listeners, if you have some sort of uh, fun name for them. But listen, uh, the Fight Me Army, reach out to Paul uh-huh. Daly on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Get him on this show. Yeah. I don't think anybody who enjoys my show would do that, but people <laughs> who hate it might. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I just... Uh, I don't know. He he gets emotional. He doesn't. He, his shit talk doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. 
Um, I, I, I think he's just, you know, he got the back and like not that MVP is even the greatest shit talker, but the back and forth between them was was very one sided. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> so MVP is way better. In let me role. ask you another question on another fight. Um, how do you feel about Czech Congo being going to fight Bader next for the heavyweight title? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's I, I hope Bader can. Uh, it's really up to what to what Bader wants to do if he can. I you know. Do, do basically the same thing he did. Um, he did the Fedor, kind of make him scared of uh, scared of takedowns, and then land land a heavy punch. Mm-hmm. If if he doesn't do that, then it's probably going to be um, a lot like the Mitrione fight. Yeah, yeah, just five rounds of of domination. Yeah, yeah, and then hey, you know. Am I a little racist that I really want to see? A Congo versus Ngano fight at some point. <laughs> Maybe if Ngano gets released or Congo gets back into the UFC, I really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, you want to see a guy named Congo and a guy who looks like his last name is also probably Congo. <laughs> Both fizzled from rock. Just yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the same. I think Ngano is actually bigger, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, uh, he's yeah he is bigger. Um, he cuts well. He doesn't always cut weight, but for I, I think for the Stipe fight, he cut weight to to 265. Mm-hmm. I think for his last fight, he weighed in at like uh, 258 or something like that. But yeah, well, he's huge. You're welcome for the segue into the UFC card. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I was gonna say when you said that about being racist, uh, I think um, when Derek Lewis was like being being asked about the idea of him fighting. Um, Nganu before it ever happened. He was like, yeah, I probably will because you got white people. I always want to see two black people fight. <laughs> I do. I do. And they Sorry. did. Everybody wanted to see that fight happen. And then it was another terrible oh. fight. Yeah. I will say, um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the, uh, so at this point of listening to the podcast, everybody already knows what happened mm-hmm. in the fight, so we won't talk so much about that, but we can kind of talk about, um, what what all this uh, says for the future of it. And since we're already talking about Derek Lewis, not that I think he would be the not that I think anybody wants to see that rematch. But uh, what do you think is next uh, next for Ngannou? Because it's not likely that he's going to get uh, that DC fight next, especially if they're actually trying to do the Brock fight, which is kind of confusing because um, it's still um, uh, he's still not cleared. Usada, I believe, mm-hmm. or like that's not all said and done yet. Right. Uh, so, whoever wants to fight for the heavyweight title next may need to wait for that Brock fight. There could be another fight before it. Um, I, I don't think DC is in, obviously, DC is not in any hurry to give Stupe his rematch. So, uh, what do you think is more likely? A, um, uh, a rematch, uh, what was I going to say? Um, a Stipe and Ganu rematch, which you know would be the top two. I don't know if at this point I haven't looked at the rankings since the fight, but you got to assume Ngannou is considered the number number two contender at this point. Stipe being number one. Yeah, I I, I don't think that happens. Um, yeah, I I I, I don't want to see that fight. Um, yeah, but I don't think that does anything for Stipe. Stipe. I don't think Stipe would take that fight. 
Uh, I think, no, I don't think so. we would probably get more of the first fight. There hasn't been that much time. I seriously doubt Ngano's wrestling game has gotten to the point where he can defend Stipe's takedowns. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm going through the rankings right now. Um, Alexander Volkov um, is a is a is an interesting fight. Uh, Verdum, I don't know. Uh, do you know when Verdum comes back? I know he's suspended, but do you know when he comes back? Yeah. No, I don't know when he comes back. Um, I believe the verdict's still out on that one. Uh, I heard him interviewed not too long ago, and he was uh, still pretty pissed at the UFC. So I, it, it doesn't seem like the relationship's good. I don't think there's any like comeback in sight. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, what about? Let's see here. Hmm. Good. Good question. What about uh, Dos Santos? Does Dos Santos have a fight coming up? Yeah, he does. He's um. He does have. Oh, he's facing. He's facing Derek Lewis. <laughs> Derek Lewis. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. It's funny because I think um. Uh, Overeem called Derek Lewis out before that, so they I guess they ended up giving it to, to Santos, but. But, yeah, I think I also heard an interview where Ngano was saying he wanted to take some more time off, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe, yeah. maybe this time will allow the heavyweight division to kind of play out. Maybe DC will have his fight with Brock, and or at least lined yeah. up, and then he'll, he'll announce his departure after that. Maybe Kane will be better. I wouldn't mind yeah. actually seeing a rematch with Kane right away, if his knee is actually better. Um, it's super surprising that that the whole Kane knee injury thing happened, but I mean, in a sense, I'm really not surprised. <laughs> it, no. it, it goes along with 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 history and what's kind of happened in the past. Um, you know, supposedly going into the first Fox card, he fought he fought Dos right. Santos and got knocked out. Supposedly he went in there with bad a bad knee, and that's what he attributed his knockout to. And now the first fight on ESP, the real ESPN. His knee gives out again, and he gets knocked out really fast. I mean, it's, they're, they're literally the same fight. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as, like, it being expected or not, if you look at things linearly, you expect someone to do what they've been doing the most of. And for him, it's been being injured. So, right, right. Yeah, it was actually very, very much so expected. Uh, good bummer, though, yeah. Agreed. Uh, that, was, that could have been a really interesting fight, mm-hmm. and it was it was the opposite of that. Um, I, I think as far as what, what is possible at the, like for next, I think, um, I think a Lewis rematch would be, would make more sense oh, yeah. than, uh, than anything else. I think people want to see that run back and I don't think it would be the same thing again. I think it would be what, what we hoped the first one would be. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think, I think Ngano fights the winner of those Santos Lewis you know, with whoever wins, I think we have a fight to make for for Ngano. I think everybody else is kind of tied up. Stipe is waiting around for the title pitcher to clear up so he can decide what to do. Um, I don't think yeah, Ngano. I just don't think that's ever going to come for him. No, <laughs> I don't that's think not. he's ever going to agree to fight him. No, he's he's you know Stipe has always had like a weird relationship with the UFC, similar to like a Tyrone Woodley, right? And right. Tyrone Woodley finally figured it out. He's like, okay. This isn't helping me at all. Let's just let's just fight. Let's just play the game and let's just get paid. And Stipe is ultimately just going to need to do that. He's going to have to take a fight. He's going to have to look incredible, and then he'll get the next crack. That's just where yeah. he is and where the where well, the title picture is right now. Well, the only 
reason that that game plan was uh, able to work for Tyron is because he just never lost. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, yeah. so, I mean, you can totally do that. If you just don't lose, then they can't deny it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Although they don't necessarily always give Tyron what he wants. I mean, he wanted that uh, that Covington fight. Uh, everybody wanted that Covington fight, and they ended up giving him, in my opinion, probably a more difficult opponent. Yeah, hundred percent. And not not as probably not as big of I don't know if he's getting paper view paper viewpoints, which I think he is, then probably not nearly as big of a fight either. Yeah, I think all the title holders get pay per view points over a yeah. certain amount, um, but. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it would have gotten more eyes for sure, but um, I feel like uh, Usman is very is, is a lot more deserving. I mean, Kobe Kobe led his way to the title. He got the interim, and then you know, like a lot of people do, once they get that first belt, they, they turn into a bitch. I'm, I, you know, I, I like I like Kobe and I like what he was doing, but I, I hate when people do that. I hate when people. And I understand you have to you have to seize your opportunity, seize your moment, and try to take full advantage of it, squeeze everything you can, but. I don't think you can do that without fighting. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, waiting for the title fight is one of the least annoying things, in my opinion, that he's done as of late. I really don't mind him waiting for that title fight. Uh, Ortega did the same thing. Um, But I think they offered Colby uh, a chance to defend his intern title. Oh, did they? Yeah, and and turned it down. Uh, Yeah, they offered him to defend it. Which I don't know that's that's also kind of silly though. I mean, the champ was going to be ready to fight a few months after that, right? Yeah, like, no, and I understand, but 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 seizing your opportunity, he was, you know when he won that interim belt, his his career was at an all time high, and he was everybody was talking about him. Yet he just let that that light kind of fizzle out. He you have to make a fight, regardless of what the organization is offering you. You have to figure it out. And I don't. Yeah, he, he, he hasn't established himself enough to really sit out and wait like DC is for this Brock fight. I mean, he's not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I think if DC has proven anything, it's that the UFC will give you or will treat you a lot more favorably if you stay busy. I mean, that's why they like DC. He's taken. He's basically done everything that they asked of him up up to this point. And UFC two hundred uh, fighting Anderson Silva when John yeah. Jones pops. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting Derek Lewis to save a card. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of examples, and he's been rewarded for it because ultimately he keeps winning. Yeah, big time. Uh, but yeah, it's but I mean, Tyron does the same thing, and uh, the UFC is only recently kind of starting to like him. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. He he he, he fought till he fought till short notice, right? Yeah, or uh, yeah, short shortish notice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know he's he's still uh, still on that winning streak. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a pretty good card up to uh, up to the disappointing uh, main fight though. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Honorable uh, mention goes to Cron Gracie, which is yeah. amazing. And then uh, also yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Paul Felder. Uh, we talked before, yeah. or I made the point before about that um, Roy Nelson gives almost no energy in his fights. The thing I like about Paul Felder is every moment he's in there, you can tell that he's he's giving it everything he has. 
And that's like yeah. one of the things I love most about that guy. I feel like he needs to chill out on the spinning attack, though. It was like uh, <laughs> nonstop spinning elbow after spinning back test. After, and he landed a few of them. But that's why he was just out for however long he was. He broke his arm during a spinning back test uh, against like Mike Perry's forehead, I believe. And that's yeah. That's he broke his arm. So did you hear <laughs> that he actually punctured his lung yeah. in, in the end of the fight? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he didn't puncture his lung, I feel like. <laughs> he could have with one of those spinning back fists. A rib could have just yeah. yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, he's uh, definitely an injury-prone guy, but it's not like he's just like, whoa, he got injured out of nowhere. Like, you see where those injuries are coming from. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, that was a great fight. Uh, always super entertaining, dude. Uh, theater maker, so I uh, I feel... I feel some sort of kinship there. Absolutely. There's a picture. Um, uh, I I need to. Unfortunately, we're not in the same room right now, so I can't show you. But there's a there's a picture of him uh, from college. I don't know what production it is, but he's like almost looks like a like dressed up almost like a geisha girl. Like he's got like a tiny fan <laughs> and like. <laughs> All right, I'm definitely gonna Google that picture after we're done here. Yeah. Anybody who went to college for theater is going to have some embarrassing ones out there. Oh, yeah. I have a few still on the uh, Gainesville Theater Alliance website. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's You're in Gainesville Theater. We, we, we both studied theater at the same place. That's right. We both dropped out, probably, right? That's right. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're two years uh, apart from each other. Right. Two years apart. Uh so, yeah, I guess my main uh, my main question for after this one was what was the most disappointing part of the whole weekend? I got your answer. Caratana versus Mitrione. I was so pumped for that fight. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my most disappointing one as well. Uh, so, uh, one more question before we end all this. Um, I've all, I've been saying this for a little while now uh, that. You know the um, obviously there's a huge uh, talent gap in some levels with uh, between Bellator and the UFC. Um, but I, on, as much shit as they get for their heavyweight division, having a bunch of old timers, kind of a bunch of burnouts. I believe that you know with most divisions in Bellator, once you get past like the top three, there's not really a lot. But in the in Bellator, I believe that the top five uh, heavyweights in Bellator could easily compete in the top ten heavyweights of the UFC. Agree or disagree? So, I mean, okay, so Ryan Bader has to be number one, correct? So he's definitely in there. He's done it. I think he won his last UFC fight, if I'm not mistaken. So he left on a winning note. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that, do you know the top, the top five off, offhand? Um, I don't know the top five offhand, but I could look it up as we're talking about it. Um, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can edit this part out if you want to. <laughs> Let's see. So, Chet Congo, 
Jack Congo, I absolutely think he can be he can get up there in the mix. He's a guy that doesn't lose very much. He's a guy that, you know, hasn't hasn't been winning emphatically as of late. And I'm by as of late I mean over the past, I don't know, five years or so. Um Alexander Volkov, you know. Yeah, it looks like Chael Sonnen is number two. How is that possible? Oh, uh, you're in the heavyweight rankings? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I've Wait. got uh, Mitrione one. Or, yeah, Mitrione is the number one contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chael Sonnen, number two. Three, Czech Congo. Four, Roy Nelson. Five, Fedor. Six. Rampage, seven, Bobby Lashley. Okay, stop it. Just stop it. We'll yeah. Just stop it there. So, yeah, <laughs> go, going to top five, I absolutely do think. Um, you know, my biggest concern out of those top five would be number five, Roy Nelson. I think he still wins a couple fights, but I think he takes a lot more damage and doesn't look doesn't look nearly as good doing it. Yeah. But, okay. um, and Fedor, who knows? I, I, yeah, it's... He, he he got knocked out so easily with that kind of shovel uh, jab that uh, mm-hmm. Ryan landed. That um, yeah, who knows who knows where he's at. I don't even, I don't even think he wants to do it anymore. I think he's just doing it because he yeah. doesn't know what else to do. It was the was the same punch that he knocked out King Mo with, right? I mean, it was like the exact same punch. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. In yeah. Fights, yeah. And at similar times, if I'm not mistaken, I think the 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 time of the yeah. fight ended at the same time. So, yeah, it was pretty weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh I think the top 5 could exist in the top 10 of of the UFC for sure, which they have not been able to say for a while. And I think probably even though um welterweight is a little more stacked in the UFC, I think you could say the top 3 in Bellator could probably compete in the top 10 of the UFC. I agree. Maybe not at the very very top echelon, but I mean, you can't obviously, this is like one of the times, the only time in history when Belzer can say our you know, our champion at welterweight beat UFC's champion at welterweight. Yes, and you know, there was a time there where Michael Chandler was the champion um, in Bellator and uh, Eddie Alvarez was the champion in and Mm. they've had their back and forth, but I mean, you know Chandler did hold a win over him. Um, Yeah. So there's a lot of that, and you know, Musashi is killing it. Uh, he's a guy I've always liked since he since Japan. Um, you know, Bellator is doing some really, really good things, and it it took a few steps to get here. Uh, Scott Coker kno- knew he had a plan laid out with his Dada five thousands and Kimbo's and and your Hoist Gracies <laughs> versus your Ken Shamrock, who just did some backyard yeah. wrestling show up in like Habersham County, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, Scott Coker I think was looking at the long game and um he figured it out. Uh they're doing this uh yeah, they're doing a featherweight tournament soon, right? Yeah, they're doing a featherweight tournament. They just announced that I think on Monday. And all of the featherweight uh, the, the first round of the fights are going to be on the same night, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah, they haven't announced the uh, yeah, that's really exciting. It's something I wish that they had done with the um uh with the heavyweight mm-hmm. uh well with the heavyweight Grand Prix as well. I just, I don't know about this whole, like, a tournament taking an entire year to come to fruition. Like, people kind of lose some attention or steam after a while. Yeah. But I think they kind of had to do it that way because they're planning on it being a 16-man tournament. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I they haven't announced who's going to be in it though. They haven't announced if uh, the the champ is uh, Pitbull, right? At at one forty five. Yeah. Uh, they haven't even announced if he's actually going to be in the tournament or not. So I don't know. I think you have to. Um, I think you know because Rory is going to be in this one seventy tournament and defending mm-hmm. his belt every single time. I think you have to because so, then you make them five round fights. Um, yeah. You know, there's more stakes. There's a chance to actually get the belt during the tournament. Yeah. You might not have to wait the entire time. I right. think these kind so of aspects. Do, Go ahead. They're going to do eight, like eight five round fights in one night. That's going to be a lot. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. No, I didn't think about that either. That's what this podcast is for, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess right. you don't. I guess you don't. Uh, I guess, yeah, especially for at least the opening round, maybe three-round fights, and then you can go to five, like whoever progresses to the next round. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, what they're saying in the welterweight tournament is that they all have to be five-round fights because the champion. Because, yeah. Them. I don't know. Okay. Well, who do you? I mean, okay. Aside from the current champion, do you have any front runners to win the whole thing? The welterweight tournament? No, 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 no. The 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 featherweight tournament that we don't know who's in it yet. Oh. Wait. Well, what was the question? <laughs> I said. <laughs> I'm confused. It's okay. So so this featherweight tournament that's being put together, right? Yeah. Do you have a front runner to win the whole thing, theoretically? Oh. Without you know, the champion involved. Yeah, without the champion involved. No, unfortunately, I'm not as, like, up to uh, snuff on who, uh, how many featherweights are in Bellator. I know um, Aaron Pico is a featherweight. Uh, um, who, who else is there? Um, there's, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy who just uh, who just knocked him out. Um, so, I mean, Aaron Pico would be, it would would seem like the guy that they would be designing this tournament for, considering that right. Aaron's had the two losses out of five, and or and three of those performances he murdered people with body shots, and um, you know he just had some tough breaks, and I think that you know the, a tournament like this would be the quickest way for him to get to the title. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just really hard to a hundred percent stay behind him after um and this is his uh the second loss. So he's like two and two in Bellator now. Yeah, it's like two it's like two and two or three and two, something like that. I mean yeah. not good. No, not great. Uh and I mean that's the risk that Bellator takes, uh you know, betting on these new guys and getting behind them and trying to build them up. I mean it's the risk that any organization takes when they do shit like that. Um so, I mean, there's definitely a chance that they don't want to put all their eggs in that basket if they're building a whole tournament around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you got to imagine they'll probably give them a favorable uh, first-round match. Right. Yeah. Some, some but I, I, mean, I, honestly think that's, I honestly think that's what they thought they were doing the whole time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. But, you know, I, I think when you get to these hungry Bellator guys, you know, sometimes – Sometimes they just, you know, this this next gear will come out of them, especially because they're up against the hype guy with a very, you know, not not a great record, but he has a lot of credentials. I mean, it only lifts, like for instance, if I were the guy, it would lift me up. I would give it everything I had because I would have nothing to lose uh, because yeah. I'm losing to this freight train who they're bringing in, and I have everything to gain if I if I tag him. 
So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to see, though. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, if they put Pitbull in the tournament, you got to kind of bet on him. I mean, he's he's on a pretty crazy streak right now, I believe. It's been a, it's been a minute since he lost, right? Yeah. Did did yeah. Rory get a, like a bye into the next round of the tournament, or did, is he having to jump in from the get go? Like, how did that work out? Uh, Rory? Yeah, for the one seventy. Um, his uh, he's fighting um, uh, Fitch. And 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 is this like the first? Is this still the first round of the tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still the first round. Yeah. Uh, they're doing it. They're doing. Unfortunately, they're doing it just like they did the heavyweight, where there's, I believe, one bout from the tournament on each card. So it's a, it's it's kind of maddening. Like, why don't they do at least <laughs> two fights? Yeah. Well, <laughs> why yeah. do they have to make this? It's an eight man or a, what? A four man tournament or no? No, it's an it's an it's no, an eight eight, eight, man, eight. Mm-hmm. eight man yeah eight man tournament. And I guess they're going to have it last over, what, like eight cards or how yeah. many cards? I don't know. I think Bellator's just contracted so many cards and not that many yeah. headliners. So they have to do stuff like this in order to make people invested in, you know, this random Bellator in uh, Oklahoma or, you know, whatever it is, because it has a leg of the tournament on it, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask you, how do you feel about them doing the uh, back-to-back nights uh, Friday, Saturday, when they could easily just put together one one site or one card and cut out some of the fat and just have the the fights with you know people's na- people with names on them? So, I mean, are they doing this just so that they can put smaller fighters and build them up? Or so I so I love it. Uh, I love it in a sense of. The way that I, or especially this weekend, I've only been getting home about halfway through the event, anyways. <laughs> so I actually yeah. get home in time to see, like, you know, two halves of what could be like a really good main card. But I'm just seeing it at the end, at you know, the last two fights of these two different cards. And not to mention, it gives the the younger, lesser known fighters chances to make to have like amazing moments in the fight. Um, you know, uh, for instance, if somebody lands like a crazy submission, they're going to keep replaying it during the broadcast or I'll see it later on. And I would have never known their names had they not had that opportunity to do it. So, uh, you know, I'm all about it, especially these back-to-back ones. I mean, it seems like it, it costs them nothing to rent these venues for an extra day. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. yeah it just makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I could agree with that. I just, uh, I just don't think it works. It, it doesn't give you the best product, uh, on the actual night and, you know, people who I feel like they're, you know, they're not going to really gain or lose any hardcores. The people who are going to watch it, we're going to watch it, but right. I think it might alienate some, some fans who aren't, you know, who are just tuning in to see, you know, they maybe just gotten to the UFC through, um, through the ESPN deal. They heard there was another organization. They're going to check it out and then they're going to see, um, I don't know, uh, Chalmers, uh, <laughs> Chalmers versus uh, whoever that was that he fought, and you know, think that this is the level of MMA that Bellator has to offer. Okay, right, but at the same at the same aspect, right, your casual fan who's just you know perusing uh, the channels on Friday night, you know, ne- might have not necessarily seen the card if it was only on the Saturday. 
But they see the one on Friday. They like it. They tune in on the Saturday. And then also Bellator gets two gates. Uh, you know, if they sell out 80% standard, you know, most of their shows, and then they sell out 70% one night, 60% the other night, they're getting more revenue that way. And that's probably paying the fighters' paychecks. So, again, I think this is just a long-term plan for Scott Coker. Uh, I think, you know, what makes dollars make sense right now. Um, and it's, I think it's still following that same logic of like your Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, where it was like, listen, this is working for now and it's going to take us to step two and it's going to take us to step three. And I mean, they're getting there. So Scott's a, Scott's a pretty smart dude and I'm sure it makes financial sense for them to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what I thought the first time I had that thought about it. Cause it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, you know, this guy's been doing this for a while now. I'm sure there's something that I'm not seeing that makes it makes sense and that is now that you say um the fact that they can get two gates uh at the same time since they're not really doing the kind of numbers as far as viewership that the ufc is that's probably one of their main way to make main ways to make money kind of yeah. like when uh <laughs> like a smaller comedian uh does a show at uh like a like idaho or something mm-hmm. they have to do like five nights to make right money. right <laughs> and plus, they got to get that yeah. Paramount money and that DAZN money. So, boom, boom. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, we have probably uh, about matched the amount of time that I did on the actual portion of the podcast. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, we're going to have to kind of cut it uh, cut it short. Uh, for those of you listening, um, this has been another episode of Fight Me with my good friend Trey Casino. Thanks for having me Say on. Goodbye, Trey. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, my 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 uh, fight me points of the week. If you want to get on, uh, you want to get on Facebook, Instagram, uh, most importantly Twitter. It is MMA Fight Me on all of those. Uh, my fight me point of the week is the most uh, disappointing portion of the entire weekend was not Cain um, Velasquez's comeback being thwarted. Uh, it was not the boring fight between uh, MVP and Paul Bailey. It was the nut shot heard around the world on Bellator. Um, and for those of you who uh, you know, have been hardcore since the Pride days, you were as disappointed as me and Trey to not see uh, Haritanov get to fight a dude like Matt Mitrione. It definitely would have been a slugfest. Uh, so, once again, uh, I've been Anthony Cadero. Uh, Thank you for listening to Fight Me, and remember, if you don't like it, you can fight me about it.